0: past week I haven't had very much of a voice and I tuck my girls in every night I got Abby and Becca Abby's got about an 80 word vocabulary she's autistic and has down syndrome Becca is much more articulate but it's been sweet with them because I just whispered to them daddy can't speak so you're going to have to pray and they would pray the Shema they would say it you know they all, that, broken as it was, they, they said the key words and they got through it. And it was just precious to me because someday when I'm not here, my other kids are going to hear them pray that prayer because they're going to say it at night because they're so used to having it prayed with them that they know. Becca, the first time, she just went into it before I even said I can't speak she knew my voice was weak and so she she just I was just sitting there loving her and uh, she just started saying it and I was like what's she doing and she just started so um, it was really kind of a, a cool thing so what we're supposed to do is leave a legacy finish our course well whether our course is one year ten years hundred years a thousand years whatever God chooses to give us is to finish our course well. Steve Farrar, some of you may know, some of them may have heard, some may not. He wrote about 20 books for men. In fact, the last 25 years he spent teaching men. He taught a Bible study every Wednesday night at Stonebar Church out in Dallas. And um, about 400 men came to that study every Wednesday night. And then on Tuesdays, he had a study In the afternoon, maybe about 15, 20 men came. Used to meet in a Chinese restaurant. I think they moved it to a barbecue place. But Steve has spoken, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of six, 700 conferences over his last 20-something years, trying to point men to Jesus. His book, Point Man, which he kind of was inspired by by his friend Stu Weber, who was a Green Beret, who kind of shared with him about being a point man over in Vietnam, uh, what it meant to be a re- the guy up front, kind of leading your team? But Point Man sold over half a million copies to people, and um, he just updated it, and it's coming out April 26. Him and his son have been working on the updated version to deal with our culture and all the stuff that you got to deal with now, transgen you know homosexuality and all that stuff and he was kind of incorporate that in he didn't even get to see it come out it's been delayed for like a year he's he was complaining about how frustrating it was dealing with the publishers now because they're so politically correct about everything but um he, he's been uh, a spiritual father to me i was reminded of acts twenty twenty four when paul was kind of saying goodbye to the ephesian church he says i don't Do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's what Paul said. My life's not of any value. I just want to finish the course that God's given me. Philippians 3, Paul wrote, Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In other words, we ought to be imitating people that we see really follow God. Steve was one of those guys in my life. I know he's had a lot of difficult things go on in his life. He's, he's worked through a lot of difficult things and I watched him weather them and continue. And continue. And whenever he would call me, Doug, how you doing? How's Russ? How's Sarah? I'm praying for them. And he was. He was. Because it wasn't just about being up in front of people for him. It was about leaving a legacy of people that would continue to draw people into the kingdom, be instruments that God would use. he embodied 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, like a lot of guys, God's given me the privilege of hanging around. Where Paul said, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others. He went on to tell Timothy, and remember, when he wrote 2 Timothy, he was in jail. He knew he was about to die. And this is what he says. I fought the good fight. I finished the race, And I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. I count myself in that group because I love His appearing. I'm glad He came. I'm glad that He's brought faithful servants like Steve into my life to help me Understand what it means to really follow him. We've been in Acts now for a while as we push through Acts 14 today, 141 through 7. We're seeing Paul basically he just got kicked out of Antioch Pisidia. And he's gonna continue. Why? Because that's what you do when you serve the Lord. You just keep going. You don't stop. And as we uh, think about what Paul is dealing with right now, he wrote about that to Timothy in that same letter. What I just read from you, in chapter three, he says in Timothy and Second Timothy three ten, Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim and life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch at Iconium and Lystra. Which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what he wrote. He wrote about what we're going to read about today. When he wrote Timothy, he says, Timothy, remember they persecuted me in Iconium. And so today I was thinking, as we look at, Um, Acts 14, 1-7. What does it mean to finish faithful? What does it mean to finish faithful? What are the marks of an effective ministry of the Gospel? That's what we're all called to. Everybody. Everybody in this room who is a believer is called to this. Not just me. Not just... The pastor of a local church, every believer is called to these marks of an effective ministry. And to finish faithful, God, I'm going to lay out four things that I, I see in this text that were evident in the life of Paul and Barnabas. First of all, is to walk with perseverance. Every believer is called to walk with perseverance, not to give up. You're going to go through tough times. you're going to go through tough things and you walk with perseverance. Second, God calls us to speak with His passion. Do we do that? Do we we speak with His passion about His Gospel? Do we speak at all about His Gospel, much less with His passion? That's something you can't muster up. It's not a physical thing you can make happen has to be something that comes from him. Third, he calls us to serve as his priest. Did you know you're a priest? Do you know what a priest does? Do you ever think about what a priest does? We we think of priest and we tend to think of the Catholic Church, but there were priests long before the Catholic Church. There've been priests and priestesses throughout time. The priest always serve their deity, whoever their deity was. They served. They, they served to please their deity. Do we serve as priests? We're supposed to. He calls us to. And we're going to see that even in the text. And finally, He calls us to walk by His Spirit. Well, you think that's pretty simple. We should do that. But what does it mean to walk by Spirit? We see Paul and Barnabas do that in here. You're led by His Spirit through His Word as He moves us. There's times, sometimes you stay, sometimes you leave. Sometimes you do speak, sometimes you remain quiet. But we're led by His Spirit. And so as we look at these four marks here, A finishing faithful. Let's read the text and just remember what has happened, right? In Acts 13, remember that the church sent Paul and Barnabas off? At that point, it was Barnabas and Saul. They took with them John Mark, but he beat feet right away, didn't measure up for some reason. He didn't like it, he didn't, didn't pan out the way he thought it was. Something caused him to leave. But Saul and Barnabas go on to Antioch and Pisidia. They go through Cyprus first. They hit Salamis. They go to Paphos. Antioch of Pisidia. They get kicked out of town, shake the dust off their feet. And now we're going to see them in Iconium. By the way, Iconium is modern day Kanya. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. Literally, it's in Turkey. Southern Turkey. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. It's like 3,000, 4,000 years old. Actually, there's some tradition about Kanye having some writings about Paul there that date back to about 200 A.D. Isn't that crazy? Now, it's not biblical. It's extra biblical, but... It described Paul as a bow-legged, bald-headed, short little man who uh, was full of grace. Isn't that crazy? To, he must have had an impact there. So let's read the text and, um, and we're going to look at these four characteristics of finishing faithful. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 14. Now at Iconium... But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. May God bless his word. Walking with perseverance. Finishing faithful means you walk. You, you don't quit. You don't give up. You get kicked out of one town, you keep going. And that's what they did. And notice where they went. Where's the first place they go when they go into Iconium? They go into a synagogue, right? Paul, when, when he says, I'm going to the Gentiles, he didn't mean I'm giving up on the Jews. He just meant in that city. And we see that as his pattern. He entered the synagogue. He's not giving up. Look at verse 3. What happened in verse 2 first? The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. Luke, when he's writing this, is bringing out the fact when he talks about brothers, these were brothers of Paul and Barnabas because they were Jews. And listen, the Jews... Were, they, they detested the Gentiles. But I'll tell you this, they had this strong nationalistic brotherhood there that we can fight with each other, but you don't come between me and my brother Jew. But they're departing from that here. They're actually poisoning the Gentiles against them. That's how much they hated them. They hated them that much. And so when they did that, It says, naturally, you do when people hate you, so they remain, right? Isn't that what happens? See, we tend to look at Paul and Barnabas as these superhuman people. They were like you and me. David, people start railing against you, poisoning the minds of everybody around you against you. Of course you stay, right? Is that what we do? We take, a go, you know what, I'm, this is not a good place for me. I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere else. Not these guys, not Paul, not Barnabas. And Paul, you know, I, I, Lori's been doing a lot of research lately and, um, she is such a detailed person. I love that. And, and that when she, she goes in and she does a lot of background stuff and, um, as she was studying around, she, she found um, this guy that we, have, we both have a lot of respect for. He believes that Paul, Paul's parents were probably slaves. Roman slaves. Because Paul was born, right? He was born a Roman citizen. He was born a Roman citizen. He was, he was probably named Saul because he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin. Because no Jewish person is going to name their son Paul, <laughs> they're not going to do that. That was a Gentile name; it was not a Jewish name, and they detested the Gentiles as far as like they were pagans and all this. And so, the fact that the Apostle Paul was a student was a student of Gamaliel. One of the greatest respected rabbis in Jewish history is is not an easy feat, especially if he comes from outside of Jerusalem. And especially if his parents were slaves of Romans. And so Paul probably was a guy, that's why he was so zealous to do what he did, to persecute. Then Jesus changes him. And here he is, He's got it now where he understands who Jesus is as Messiah. And he's going in and he's trying to tell him. And these Jews are are doing what? They're coming against him. They're poisoning everybody's mind to him. And what does he do? It says, so they remained a long time. It shows this perseverance. He persevered. It reminds me of Acts 4.29 when they told the apostles, to stop. Remember they told them to stop preaching? And what did, they, what did they pray when they were released? Remember, first time they did nothing to them. They just told them to stop. They go back. They gather in prayer. And they ask, Lord, Lord, grant that we may speak, what? With more boldness. And it's almost like they're doubling down. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing here. They're doubling down. These people are trying to run them off. Have you ever had that happen in your life? you ever had people try to run you off when you start talking about God? You start talking about Jesus. Are you going to persevere? Acts 5.29 Peter says we must obey God rather than man. Jesus said over in Matthew 10, don't fear the one who can kill the body. You need to fear the one that can cast your soul into hell. Paul probably had all this in mind when he wrote 2 Corinthians 4. When he wrote 2 Corinthians 4, he was trying to encourage the Corinthians because they were getting discouraged. And he says, listen, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now notice what he says at the beginning. Having this ministry by the mercy of God, meaning none of us in this room deserve to be able to utter the Gospel to anybody as something we own, not one of us. We have the ministry to be able to share the Gospel by the mercy of God. It's His mercy in our life. We should be excited that He redeemed us and now has not only redeemed us, but gave us a ministry to proclaim the Gospel to other people. What an incredible privilege. And Paul says... Because we have this ministry that God's given us, He's redeemed us from eternal damnation. He's redeemed us from our own leadership. He's redeemed us from the power of sin, the curse of sin, the power of Satan. He's redeemed us from all that. Therefore, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. He also said at the end of that same chapter where He said that at the beginning, these are light and momentary afflictions. These things that we endure. The beating's on my back. 39 lashes, five times. That's light and momentary, Amos. Light. Beaten with rods three times. That's light. Compared to what? Compared to what's on the other side. What awaits for us. So we endure. We don't lose heart. That's what he's saying. And, and notice, even in here in Iconium, when they're kicked out, go down to verse 7 real quick and look, it says they learned of it they fled to Lystra, Derby, cities of Lyconia, the surrounding country and there they what? They continued they continued to do what? They continued to serve the Lord you know what happens sometimes and I've seen it people get beat up and they just quit and I can't do it anymore I'm tired of the enemy thrashing me because that's all it is. See, Satan, especially if you're a man, you know what he wants to do? He wants to divide you from your wife, he wants to divide you from your kids, and he wants to divide you from your credible witness. That's what he wants to do. He wants to divide you from your wife, he wants to divide you from your children, and he wants to divide you from your credible witness. And so he spends all of his efforts Dispatches his demons to divide. So he can hopefully beat you down enough. You go, okay, I'm done. You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm just not going to do it. It's not worth it to me. Unfortunately, quite a few people have taken that route. But not Paul and Barnabas. They walk with perseverance. But they also speak with his passion. Notice what it says in verse one. When they spoke, how does it say they spoke? It says in such a way. They spoke in such a way. Sometimes we see stuff like that in scripture, and we okay, they spoke a such a way. What is that? Well, that tells you that they spoke in such a way. The people go, wow. They believed whatever they were saying. They were Spirit-filled and Spirit-energized. Can you guys tell the difference between somebody Spirit-filled and Spirit-energized and somebody who's up there trying to do it in their own flesh? You You can. You absolutely can. Can you guys tell the difference between a pastor who's serving the Most High God and a pastor who's a professional pastor? Yes, you can. If you try to do ministry in your flesh, it is obvious to those on the outside. You have to speak with His passion. That comes by spending time with Him, time in His Word. And notice it says in verse 3, they spoke boldly for the Lord. They spoke boldly. Again, the same word was used in the last chapter. It's not necessarily courage as it is to speak with a clear, articulate way. In other words, there's no compromise on the message. Do do we compromise the message in our culture? If we just have the right kind of music, we just have the right kind of presentation... If we just can set the mood the right way, we'll get more people to come to Jesus. If we can just... You know what? We don't want to say it that way because that's offensive. And what we've effectively done is we've marketed the Gospel to people. And Jesus don't need us to market His Gospel. He doesn't call us to market His Gospel. He calls us to proclaim His Gospel. Paul says... In 1 Corinthians 2, I didn't come with you at lofty speech or words of wisdom. That's not what I came with. I came preaching one thing, the cross of Christ, so that your salvation wouldn't rest on my words, on my personality, but it would rest on what? The power of the Gospel. That's what what Paul wanted people to know. It wasn't about him. Boy, have we tipped that upside down. We have to speak with his passion. Notice what it says in verse 7. If you look down there, it says, There they continued to preach the gospel. At first glance, I thought that word preach was Caruso, which means like this big proclamation. But it's not preach the gospel. Is actually the way they translated the Greek word euangelion. Do you remember euangelion for all my guys that went to Israel with me? You remember what that meant? It was only used three times, it was a secular word. And basically, in every city, they had this big block of concrete in the city square or marble or something. And some guy would get up, like the city spokesman. And whenever an emperor had a great military victory, a new emperor was born or a new emperor was coronated, those were the only three instances euangelion was used. It's good news. And that's it. So he uses that word Luke does there, euangelion. They continued to go euangelion. Only one of three instances. An emperor was born, emperor was coronated, or a great victory for the emperor. You know where that came from? If you look in Romans, I'm sorry, yeah, Romans 10, 14. How will they hear if no one euangelions? How will they hear? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring euangelion. That's a quote from Isaiah 52. And this is euangelion. Peace, salvation, and your God reigns. That's what it means. That's the, the reason for euangelion. Peace, salvation, and your God reigns. We limit it a lot of times to peace and salvation. And we leave out the God reigning part because we still want to reign in our life. But the evangelion encompasses all three. That was what Paul proclaimed. That was his passion. He was Spirit-filled, Spirit-energized. He preached boldly in such a way that when people heard, it divided the city. Guys, that's what happens when you euangelion to people. You're going to divide people. The whole city was divided. Some went with the apostles, really the messengers, is, is better translated messengers there. Some went with the Jews, the Jewish leaders. You start preaching the gospel, you're going to divide groups in your church, because if your church is not about the Evangelion, if your church is trying to market Evangelion, Guess what? You start preaching the true euangelion and it's going to divide it. It's going to divide it right down the middle. We can't do that. That's going to offend people. That's going to keep people away. It's going to divide people. They didn't want it and it divided the city. They walked with perseverance. They spoke with His passion. But you notice they also served as His priest. When Paul went into Iconium, the first place they went was the synagogue, right? It was where he went in every city. That was his pattern. In every city to the Jew first. Why? Who understood the Old Testament? Who understood the letters? Who understood the law? Who understood the prophets? So, in Acts 13.5, when he went to Cyprus, he went in the synagogue first. Acts 13, 14, when he went to Antioch, he went into the synagogue first. Here, he goes to the synagogue first. Acts 17:1 in Thessalonica, he goes into the synagogue first. Acts 17:10 in Berea, he goes into the synagogue first. Acts 17:17 17, 17, into Athens, he goes into the synagogue first. Acts 19, he goes into Ephesus, goes first into the synagogue. And when they reject it there, then He goes to the Gentiles of that city. That was His pattern. Why did He go to every synagogue first? Why? When Jesus was a Jew. He was the Messiah. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, which they all knew. And who determined where He went? Well, that's true. But He was a priest. Do priests determine what they do? Do they do what the deity prescribed for them to do? You see, as priests, we serve. As priests, we serve in different capacities. One primary capacity is as a messenger for that deity to people. Another capacity is is a, a bridge between people and that deity. How are you serving God with people as a priest? Have you really considered yourself a priest? Do you really think about the fact that you are a priest of the Most High God? 1 Peter 2 says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Back in Exodus 19, God says, you will be My priest and speak My Word. 1 Peter 2.9, he says it too. You are a royal priesthood. You, you guys, and me, we all are priests. Do we act like priests? Do we serve like priests? What did Paul do? He went where God wanted him to go. He knew God had a heart for the people. And so it says he had anguish for them. Paul had anguish for those people. In Romans 9, he says, I'm in anguish because my people... Do, do, you, do you feel anguish of the fact that there are people God brought you into their life to be their priest and they reject Him? He says in verse 3, who bore witness to the Word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by whose hands? By their hands. Because they were God's servants. In the same way that God said, Derek, He said, Moses, I want you to go lead My people out. He says that to you, Phil. I want you to go lead whoever that person is out. You are my priest. You are my priest. And I want you to go represent me to that person to give them the message of hope and be the go-between to help that person connect with me. you guys think like that? Do you really think? See, I think we, we've grown up in a culture that lets us think the guy who gets up on Sunday morning is the priest. That's the priest. We're the peons. That's the priest. But we are all priests. We are all called to serve as His priest. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. They were Listen, why did God do miracles for them? Why did He use their hands to do miracles? Because they were giving a divine message and they needed authentication. How were how those people to know if they really were of God? By the way, it says they were granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. What we're going to read next week in Lystra is a particular case where He healed a lame man. But if they were doing signs and wonders, you can bet they were call, probably causing the blind to see... The deaf to speak, I mean, the deaf to hear and the mute to speak, they were doing signs and wonders. When when you hear the term signs and wonders, there's two other or three other times in the Bible, other than right here, that that would have appeared. Moses in Egypt, right? Elijah and Elisha. And Jesus and the apostles. They healed people. They did miraculous signs and wonders. But let me ask you, have you ever wondered why Isaiah didn't do any miracles? He was a godly man. Jeremiah, he didn't do any miracles. John the Baptist, great man, didn't do any miracles. Noah, you ever wonder why they didn't do miracles? Because in God's unfolding plan and His unfolding story, there were times that God was doing a movement among His people and He wanted to authenticate those messengers with His hand, the hand of God. Moses being one, when he did what? What What did He use Moses to bring? What? The law. The law. What about Elijah and Elisha? They ushered in who? The prophets. And what was so significant about the prophets? What did the prophets talk about? Sorry. Messiah. And so he did a work. In fact, in all those prophets, they talked about Messiah healing the sick, raising the dead. They talked about Messiah being crucified. They talked about Messiah being sold for 30 pieces of silver. They talked about all the things that were fulfilled in Jesus. And so God ushered in that time. Then when Jesus and the apostles came on the scene, guess what? More miracles. Why? To authenticate. If we're priests and we represent the Most High God, why no miracles today through us? How are we authenticated? By this. That's right. Is this a miracle? Yes. You betcha. Thousands of years they've tried to destroy this, they've tried to distort it, they've tried to disprove it. It has withstood the test of time, and it is God's word about Himself and how we can know Him for His priests for His priests to serve Him, telling people how to know Him. But are we serving Him? Do you know that's how we're authenticated by the Bible? If what we say matches up to this, it authenticates us. But you know, 1 Peter 4.10 says, use your gifts. Use your gift you can go, what's my gift? I don't know. Some people have tests you can take online. I don't really trust those very well. That just tells you things you like or don't like. You know what? I I knew early on my gift was evangelism. It is a gift. You are gifted. I God call it gift-some as evangelists. I mean, it's just some people can sit on a plane and they're going to sit on a plane and the guy next to them is going to go, can you tell me about Jesus? I'm just telling you. I don't know why it is. It happens all the time. I try to go to sleep on planes sometimes. I can't. The guy next to me, I'm always talking to him about Jesus. It is something that just happens. I don't think about it. I don't, it just happens. It, it comes out of me. It comes out of me, especially when I'm walking with Him. I ask Him, Lord, help me share the Gospel with somebody today. Not ten minutes later, I'll be t- I'll be sharing the Gospel with somebody. He has given us all a gift. Amen. Some of it, some of you may have an administrative gift, hospitality gift, leadership gift, giving, faith. All kinds of gifts. Go to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Read up about them. But all the gifts, guys, are to serve us as we serve Him. Those gifts enable us to serve Him. And notice in verse 7, it says, when they learned of it, talking about they wanted to stone them and hurt them, it says, they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. You won't know this from today, but... As we get into it, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you there's no synagogues there in Lister and Derby. There are pagan Gentile cities. Why would they go there? Why would they go to these pagan places? Because they were ordained of God to go there. That's exactly right. They served as priest To who? To the Gentiles too. Right. They served. As priests to the Gentiles. The reason they went into the synagogues first is who's gonna be the best person to reach the Gentiles in any city is gonna be the Jews who are already living there. Not some Jew from out of town. And so he says, Go to this other place, so they go there and they preach. They preach. Why? Because in the same way in Exodus 6, God charged Moses, He gave him a charge. Bring Israel out of Egypt. Egypt was always symbolic of sin. Bring my people out. He tells Paul and Barnabas, go bring my people out of sin. And so, they walked with perseverance. They spoke with His passion. They served as His priest. But they walked by His Spirit. Notice what it says. When they learned of it, What? They learned of the rulers wanting to mistreat them and to stone them. By the way, just a quick point. It says that the Jew and Gentiles worked together here. They're not even supposed to do that. That's how much hatred was there. The Jews were working with the Gentiles to tear down Paul and Barnabas because of the message. But it says when they learned of it, they fled to Lyconia. Lyconia, that whole area, Lyconia, Lystra and Derby are all in Galatia. Southern Turkey. And why did they go there again? What does Acts 1-8 say? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Ends of the earth. Ends of the earth. Back in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent His disciples out, you know what He said? When they persecute you in one town, what are you supposed to do? Shake the dust off. Yeah, he said, but flee to the next. Until you've hit them all. Paul, they still had a lot of work to do. The issue is knowing when to flee and when to stay. That means you need to stay in tune with the Word, with God. You spend time with Him, you walk by His Spirit. Sometimes I've sat on the planes next to people and God said nope. I'm like, God, please give me an opportunity to share with this guy. Nope. But Lord, we got two hours together. Nope. Not on the list. And you go, why Why wouldn't you want to share with somebody? Because he's in charge. Right. And if you are walking with him you will know when you're supposed to speak and when you're not supposed to. You'll know when you're supposed to go and when you're supposed to stay. But if you're not walking with Him, you're not going to recognize His voice. If you're not spending time in His Word, you're not going to recognize it when He's talking to you. I've never heard an audible voice. I've heard my, in my spirit. I've, I've, I've known, okay, keep your mouth shut here. Okay, this is the time to speak. And so, walk by his spirit, guys. So what about us? Are we following him and persevering? Are we speaking with his passion? Are we serving as his priest? Are we still functioning as our CEO? Are we walking by his spirit? My friend Steve finished well. And I have no doubt last Sunday morning that he met Jesus and he heard these words Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to put you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Come give me a hug. That's what I want to hear. God requires one thing from you and me, one thing. That we need Him. That we know that without Him, we're nothing. That we need Him. That starts the journey to us being people who can persevere. Being people who can speak with His passion. People who will serve as His priest. And people who will walk with His Spirit. But it starts with surrender to Him. So Father, I pray... Most of these men here have heard this kind of message over and over. They know it. They know it in their head. But Lord, are we living it out in our life? I pray that when we leave here today, Lord, we would leave not the same men as we walked in. That we would know, we would know that you can help us persevere and we would cry out to you to do that. We would know that you can help us speak with your passion. We would know that you can help us serve as your priest. And even though we failed, we repent of that and ask you to help us do those things and to walk by your Spirit. And Lord, God help that anybody in this room doesn't really know you. But if that's the case, I pray that today would be the day they would surrender their hearts to you, to trust you. We love you. And we just offer this up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.